So uh, it was my first week back, and, and I was a little cold. I, I, uh, I'm going to tell you, I changed gears yesterday with this little sermon series and, and uh, going to uh, kind of go topical today. I just didn't feel like that one was hitting where we needed to hit in, in some areas. And, and the reason why is because Jesus did defeat all those things, men. However, many of us haven't. And so to unpack all of that, I mean, Jesus defeated Satan. If you remember, you, some of you don't even remember what I spoke about last week, right? But it, Jesus did defeat Satan, sin, and death. No doubt about it. Uh, but there's a lot there to unpack, and, and trying to do that in a 20 to 30-minute slot is kind of hard to do. Today, I want to shift gears just a little bit. I want to talk about something that I've seen and something that I deal with sometimes in my own life, a, a temptation, a struggle, if you will, the ways that, that uh, sometimes get me off track on what I'm supposed to do. Now, all you guys are single-minded guys, single-minded men. You don't have this trouble, so you may just hear my trouble today. But I don't know if you've ever felt discontented or if you sit long enough or if you do the same thing over and over long enough that you think, man, is this all there is to life? I mean, is this as far as I'm going to go? Is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my days until, or am I going to work this way up until I retire, or will there ever be a retirement? I saw a commercial the other day. Some of y'all may have seen this commercial as well where the guy's like 99 years old, and he's still at work, and he's trying to, trying to put everything away, and, and it's a commercial about E-Trade or something like that, you know, investment. And they're, <laughs> they're like, uh, you know, invest now so that you don't have to work until you're, a hundred years old, right? And so uh, I think a lot of times we start looking in the future and we start asking questions and saying, is this all there is to life? Is this as far as I'm going to go? I, I know here the other day, uh, my wife said something to me that, that really hit me hard. She said, uh, she said, you know, to see, she said, Curtis, I know you've prayed for 3,000, 5,000, 7,000 people you know, in church and wanting to plant church and everything. And she said, but that may not be for you. That may be for the next generation. And that hurt my feelings. You know, I'm like, I need you to line up and believe with me, girl. What are you talking about? This is it, right? This is as good as it gets. This is as far as I go. Um, you know, we all have dreams, and I think God puts those dreams in our hearts. And sometimes when we do the same thing, the mundane Day in, day out, and those types of things, we, we start saying, am I really making a difference? Is this really where life is going to get me? Is this as far as I'm going to go? And, and we become discontented. So I want to talk about discontentment a little bit. I looked this up for myself, but I'll, I, I, I'm just such a giving man. I'm going to share it today. All right? So if you will, join me in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for these men. I thank you for this time this morning. Father, as we... Uh, as we think about our lives this morning, Father, help us to, to see that the fullness of life is only found in you and that the abundant life is only found in you and that contentment is only found in you and in your calling on our life. So, Father, may we learn to be contented in you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I would start with discontentment first starts with awareness. You've got to become aware if you are discontented. You may be frustrated this morning. You may be uh, tired this morning, you may feel like you're in the mundane this morning, but just know if you're aware of that, that, that will help you. And so awareness, as you become more and more aware of it, then we'll start to move forward. It's just like I tell people all the time, hey, look, the first step to recovery in anything is really becoming aware. 
Awareness is the first step in responsibility. If you're going to be responsible with something, you've got to become aware of your surroundings, aware of why you feel the way you feel or why you're doing the things you're doing. All right? So here we go. Uh, I, I, I was thinking, I went to a garage sale about, I don't know, a year ago, and the dude had six TVs in this garage sale. And these were great old big, big TVs. And uh, he had $20 on them. I said, you're going to sell those TVs for 20 bucks? He's like, yeah. I said, okay. And I go to leave. He goes, hey, uh, sir, come here. He said, uh, I'll give you all those TVs. I'll just give them to you. And I said, uh, sir, I can't lift one of those TVs. These are like the old ones with the backs on them about this big. I said, you're not going to be able to even give those things away. I hope you know that. And he's like, oh, no, 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 that's a good deal, 20 bucks, right? He was trying to convince me that I needed something that I didn't need. He was trying to, to, to help me understand that there was a loss in my life if I didn't have these TVs. And, man, that, that's one of the first things I've realized and recognized, that discontentment is usually fed from the idea that we lack something or we need something more. See, in the past, people didn't replace things. They, they did this thing, young men, they did something like this. It was called wear things out. My dad, if a watch broke, he would have it in a jillion pieces trying to fix his watch. What do we do today? We just replace them, right? We just replace the things that we break. We, we, we don't necessarily wear things out anymore, now we can't have just the I1, iPhone 1, iPhone 2, iPhone 3, but what if they realized and recognized, if I can convince you that there's something just a little better, a little faster, a little more memory, then boom, that's, that's what you get to have. I mean, that's, that's what we're after. So there are things that cause us today, whether it be from technology, clothes, cars, houses, appliances, camera equipment, kitchens, books, computers, uh, stores, right? There's probably stores that we need to avoid, one like Walmart. It's always trying to convince us that we lack something. Now, discontentment is fed through our wantingness of something more. It's dangerous. You know, I've visited countries where there's not a single store. And, and in those countries, here's what you'll find is that they're still swapping, they're still trading, they're still trying to convince one another that you need my camel. I'm not talking about cigarettes. More stuff, more money, oftentimes brings us to a place of being discontented. The desire for stuff is like an appetite. More food does not resolve your desire for food. It's just the opposite. You ever thought about this? Listen to this statement. More food does not resolve your desire for food. If I eat one donut, I want two. You do too. If I eat one chicken fried steak, I want the biggest chicken fried steak out there. I don't want to go to Whataburger and get a single meat hamburger. That's not enough for me anymore. I want the double meat, right? I mean, here's the thing. It's interesting because more food does not resolve your desire for food. You just get filled up, and then the next time you eat, you just want more. It's just the opposite. Appetites that are fed grow. And if we feed our appetite for discontentment, we'll become more and more discontented in life. See, your appetite for stuff will grow as it's fed. <laughs> you ever said things like this? This is the last car I'll ever buy. Uh-huh. 
this is the last house I'll ever live in. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, and, and uh, it was funny because they told me, they said, you know, we've said that now three times. This is the last house I'll ever live in, and they're moving now. Appetites only shrink if you deprive them. This is why fasting is important in our lives. Fasting, you know, at the end of a fast, your appetite has diminished. It's, it's true. When, when we fast one or two days, it, it really does begin to diminish your appetite. It seems like it would be just the opposite, but it's not. It's because we deprive ourselves of things that, that we don't necessarily need. You have to starve an appetite in order to shrink it, men. Discontentment, it's not that it's always bad. If I had to say there's one good thing about being discontented, sometimes discontentment just simply tells us we're in the wrong job, we're in the wrong profession, we're in the wrong calling, we're not where we're supposed to be in life. That is true. If there's, if there's something that can be good out of discontentment, it would be that. But you've got to pray through that. If you are working in the one hope of your calling, then discontentment is a bad thing for you. See, it's also good to become discontent with bad habits, unhealthy relationships, lack of progress, distance from God, broken relationships, injustice, those types of things. But, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, I want to jump in and talk about Paul. He's writing a letter to Timothy here. He's, Timothy's a young man, Paul's mentor Timothy. He's warning him about people who stir up trouble in the church, and he talks about being contented in what you are doing. Because young men, I'm going to tell you, it's very easy to become discontented in life. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 11. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So here's Paul telling Timothy, hey, godliness with contentment is great gain. If you're working in, in your godly nature and you are contented, you are going to gain. So I'll ask you this morning, man, are you working where you're supposed to work? Are you doing the things you're supposed to do? Do you feel contented or do you feel like you're gaining in this life? Because the Apostle Paul says, hey, godliness with contentment will cause you to gain. And a real gain is not related to things. Great gain is not upgrading your TV, your house, your 401k. Man, that's not necessarily great gain. A clear conscience toward God, satisfaction with what we have is great gain. So the Apostle Paul went on to say this. He said that he was contented in what? In every situation and circumstance. And he wrote that from prison, by the way. But we'll continue here what he tells Timothy. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. So gain can't be about stuff. Or we live our entire lives and simply gain nothing. If life equals stuff, then we will die and do what? Lose everything. I worked for a, for a farmer growing up, and he had this game room, and it's the coolest game room. I mean, back then we had these things that were called arcade video games. And he owned a bunch of them, and, and he had them in this, in this room. They were all the way around the edges. And in the middle, he had this huge pool table. He still got it today. And, and uh, matter of fact, I took Wade over there, my son, here about two, three months ago and showed him all the stuff and said, man, this is where I hung out. You know, if it started raining, I went straight to this game room and uh, also had the, he's got the, uh, what do you call them with the paddles? Pinball. 
and, and he's got two or three pinball, and Wade never played pinball, so we sat in there and played pinball for a long time. Anyway, it's a cool thing, but he's got a huge sign on the wall, and that sign says this, the man with the most toys, what? Wins. Yeah, there's another sign out there that says the man with the most toys, what? Still dies. That's right. And so I didn't see that one until years later. But I've always remembered that the man with the most toys wins. And this is what our culture, this is what everything's trying to, to impress upon us, is that we need more in order to break the spirit of discontentment. Guys, that's a powerful statement. The culture is trying to convince us that we need more in order to break the spirit of discontentment. But it's not true. Verse 8, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. You know, our heater's out at the house, and I have four children, and uh, I'm not trying to get you to feel sorry for us. I just showed them this scripture last night. <laughs> I'm just saying. Sometimes the Word of God will help you men if you'll just pull it out and use it, okay? I'm like, well, the Word of God says if we have food and clothing, we should be contented with that. And then I had to read it to Allison four times. But still, right? Uh, we do have a stove, and I'm feeding and stoking that stove with wood right now until we get the heater and all fixed. You know, I've asked people this question before. When, we, when were you the most content in life? I think... For me, uh, one of the couples I have in here to, to share this, one of the couples that I think of that was very contented in their life were, were a, a couple when I lived at Arnie. Allison and I, after we got married, I bought a half section of land with an old house on it out at Arnie. And if you don't know where Arnie is, it's between, it's actually 10 miles north of Nazareth. Uh, it's just in the middle of nowhere, okay? Just, just register that. And, and, and the cool thing was there was a, a couple that lived about three miles from us. They were well up in their 80s, and they had lived there for I don't know how many years. They built their home out there on this farm. Their whole farm was in CRP. They had a huge garden. But they used to stop by our house and try to convince us that what we were doing was wrong. They were Seventh-day Adventist, and so because I was youth directing at the time, they felt like that uh, I was leading a bunch of kids to hell because we worshiped on Sundays instead of worshiping on Saturdays. And so they came over to, uh, to persuade us uh, many times over. But, you know, I will tell you this. I love their passion. Uh, I love their desire. It was interesting. Uh, the man's brother uh, lived up the road, and <laughs> he raised and slaughtered hogs for a living. But I just thought that was peculiar. Uh, you just have to go back and study. Um, you, you don't eat pigs in the... Okay, anyway... Anyhow, so why do I share this? Because they were very content with what they had. And, and we used to go over to their house, and they canned everything. And, and their house was set up where their garden, they, they got everything from the garden. They had a milk goat. They had a milk cow. They, they just lived very basic and very frugal in their living. But one time, a huge snowstorm came through. And when I say huge, I mean 18 inches. It's the only time I... There's only been two times that I've count, canceled church on Sunday, but I literally could not get out. Our, our, the snow was completely drifted over my truck, and there, there, I had a guy in a four-wheel drive tractor, Mace Middleton, tried to come and get, get me for church, and he couldn't make it down our road. It, just, it, it was too deep. It was nasty and everything else. So I got worried about them. They were about, like I said, after about, we were without electricity for 
11 days and during that storm and got worried about them and so I told Allison one day we, we've got to go check on them and the only thing I could get out was my three-wheeler it was in the barn so I got the three-wheeler out and we just drove over the drifts and she was riding behind me and we go all the way over to their house and uh, you know I knock on their door and uh, sure enough they uh, come to the door and they're just thrilled to see us you know and I'm like I just wanted to come over here and check and see if y'all are okay and they just looked at me like I was crazy and they said what do you mean are we okay and I said, well, I'm in this big snowstorm. You can't get out. And they said, we don't have anywhere to go. And I said, well, I, you know, I just thought maybe, I don't know, you know. I mean, it's cold out here. There's snow everywhere. It's, it was like 10 degrees for several days in a row. And, and they were like, oh, no, 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 we've done this for years. Uh, here, we're going to send you. And they sent us home with canned vegetables and some stew that they had canned up for the winter and everything else. And they gave to us. But they were very content on what they had and where they lived, a little bitty house. You know, it's interesting the way that story ends is after so many months of coming by our house and us going by theirs, uh, I was able to lead them to the truth and the Word of God in their 80s. We wound up on the floor praying um, one night, me praying over them. A really cool story, but they were just so contented with what they had. They didn't need more stuff. They loved the way life was at that moment where they were. Verse 9, the Apostle Paul goes on, those who want to get rich fall in temptation and a trap. See, people who make a living richly their objective, they fall into this temptation and they, they are traps, they're specific traps. <laughs> you know, if you knew what all the traps were, uh, guys, you wouldn't step in one. But, but there are traps out there. Now, think about it. Uh, if you've got a balance on a credit card, I'm not after anybody. I'm just saying, right? What's a credit card tell you? you you've got to have it now. And so sometimes we, we pull out our credit card and we say, man, I've got to have that transmission put in my car. I don't have, uh, uh, you know, I, got, I don't have a vehicle to drive and those types of things. But we're paying 18% on top of a new transmission that was put into our car. How do you get out of those traps? Well, um, great question. You pay attention to what God's doing. Then he goes on to say this, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Discontentment is dangerous. Discontentment is the enemy's way of trying to present to you that you need more, that, that you're not where you're supposed to be. In verse 10, for the love of money, here it comes, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So, if you want to get rich, leaning into money for life, it's hard to see that the love of money is there. It's hard to look in the mirror and say, hey, I, what I'm doing is wrong. I'm just wanting to go up the scale. I just want to get bigger so that I can give more. If, if that's true, then you're in a good place. But if it's not necessarily true, the love of money is dangerous. Remember I said Sunday that money can get us to serve it instead of serving the Lord. Have you ever done something done, dumb in your life in order to gain something financially? We don't need testimonies. But come on, let's be honest, right? So it's the root of all kinds of evils, what he says. Discontentment is dangerous. Verse 11, but you, O man of God, flee from all this. See, learn to flee. Learn to flee the things that cause us to drift away from God. 
Pursue righteousness, he says, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Let your life be characterized by the pursuit of these types of things. Contentment is going to find you when you are pursuing God, when he is your primary. Because what happens is he begins to ordain your steps. So when we pursue righteousness, when we pursue godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness, those things, he says, look, this is going to cause you to be fulfilled in life. Contentment is found in redirecting your pursuit. And this is what Allison was talking to me about the other day. You know, maybe, Curtis, you just need to redirect your pursuit of what you're after. You have this vision and, and, and you see all this stuff, but, but that may not be for you. You may, I hate saying this, but, you know, as we talked, uh, we've said this before and made me think of this statement, but you may not live long enough to see your dream fulfilled. And <laughs> even if you did, you'd probably still dream. So be careful with a spirit of discontentment. Paul tells, first, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 18. He says this, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. He's saying, hey, there is a life here that's truly life. There is a life here that's fulfilled, and we need to take hold of it. It's rich in good deeds. It's generous. It's willing to share. It makes me think of that couple out at Arnie. We went over to check on them, and what they wanted to do is just simply share with us. They were content in life. They had made more than what they needed, so they said, here, y'all take this. We, we wanted to come over and see y'all, but we couldn't get out. We wanted to make sure that y'all were okay, Curtis, but we have all this stuff. So, you know, they fill us up and we're bouncing it off the three-wheeler on the way back. Paul says, hey, flee discontentment. Discontentment is dangerous. Discontentment is bridled when you uh, look at not what you don't have, but when we focus on the things that God has given us. Turn your attention from what you don't have to what others don't have and begin to try to supply them. That will help you with your discontentment. I, I, I told you all this two weeks ago, uh, Sunday in my message, but, you know, I was communicating with a friend of mine, and he, he was talking about how he and his wife had started praying a year or two ago about how they could make more in order to give more, and they started putting money aside in an envelope. And it's just simply to help those in need and he had the opportunity he said two or three times now and he shared a couple of those stories with me one in particular about how they were able to just bless someone with a need that uh, uh, that was shared with them and so as they blessed them with this envelope and with with these finances he said in turn we just we feel so much better and we know that that God is doing and growing us in our walk with him I think when I look at my own life, the most contented I've ever been is when I've served the most. And that's just, that's just the truth. When I pour myself into others, uh, I think back, we used to have a little nursing home ministry. Every Thursday I had a couple of older ladies, like in their 70s and 80s, they, they would pick me up and say, come on, pastor, here we go. And they were so excited because they were going to buy my lunch in Amarillo. 
and we'd drive to Amarillo and we'd go to the nursing homes and see all their friends and pray for them and serve them communion and then we'd go eat and they were just thrilled that their pastor, their little pastor friend was uh, riding with them. Sometimes I had to drive, you know, but, but I felt good about that too. Uh, benevolence, uh, I think of CRF down the street, I, I think of giving to one another here in men's group, I think of the guys that hung the sound panels this week and, and you guys, you know, as, as we as we pour ourselves into being givers instead of takers, what happens is, is we become far more contented in life. We tend to think contentment comes when we get everything we want, but the truth is contentment comes when we have the one thing we need, and His name is Jesus. Be aware. Awareness is the first step to responsibility. So I'll ask you a question this morning. What creates Material discontentment in you. Websites, stores, magazines. There's some questions y'all will answer here in a minute, but I'll give you a couple to go along with. What can you do to be less aware? You know, would you fast a day a week? Stay out of the mall for a week? Because I know a lot of you guys are shopping at the mall. Just kidding, I don't even know. What can we do to become more aware of what someone else doesn't have? See, godliness with contentment brings great gain, real gain. The more you have, the more difficult it is to get a handle on. Discontentment is simply this. It's bridled when you turn your attention from what you don't have to what God has given you, and watch this, and to what others need. I'll repeat that. Discontentment. It's bridled when you turn your attention to what God has for you and what others possibly need. So, that was kind of my lesson for the week. So now it's your lesson for the week. There's some scriptures and uh, some questions there in front of you. And you are welcome to walk through those together. Men, if you're discontented this morning, the other thing is, is begin to have someone pray for you. You're welcome to receive prayer at the table. Um, but just know this, discontentment leads us to a place of unhappiness. It leads us to a place of being unhealthy. It leads us to a place of always wanting more and never having enough. And that's not who we're called to be as men of God. We are to be fulfilled. It's, it's as the Apostle Paul said, whether rich or poor, whether beaten or in strife, whatever his walk was, he was content because his walk was with God. Amen.